He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on the Leader's Cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Leader's Cut. We are back with one of my great friends that you all already know. Mr. Brent is back up in here. And we're going to spend some time talking about something that we're both passionate about. Um, and we're not going to go the full distance on this topic because probably at some point, uh, Brent and Isaac and I will sit down and talk through this uh, God's process of preparation. But we kind of want to start a conversation around uh, the beginning of preparation. Where does preparation for something that's down the road begin? So just calibrating you. Let's pray. Let's jump right into the cut. God, thank you so much for being an, a very present help in time of trouble, but also even in calm seas. You're always present. And we just, we remind ourselves, we don't have to invite you into this time where two or three are gathered in your name. There you are in their midst. You are here. You are in this conversation. So spirit of the living God, we yield ourselves. We yield our flesh. We lay on the surgeon's table of heaven. Would you cut on us anywhere where the flesh is getting in the way of your spirit? We want more of you. And we want to be able to be trusted by you. So would you do whatever needs to be done as we talk about this process of preparation, getting it started, how, how to be faithful on the front end of your process of preparation? Holy Spirit, would you anoint this conversation? Would you speak to every one of us in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. All right, bro. Uh, process i Let's mean we, we this, this is gonna be fun yeah uh because we're both passionate about god's process yep because we not only have we lived it yep uh we're always in it yep his process is is constantly ongoing absolutely um but i want to spend some time talking today so someone starts to realize the call of god in their life whether it's business um whether it's uh, in academia, whether it's uh, at home, mm -hmm. whether it's in family, whether mm -hmm. it's in the church, no matter where there is, mm -hmm. once a person starts to get more and more clear that God has called them to another place, a Genesis 12 type moment, I'm leading you somewhere. Yep. Let's talk about, from our, our perspective and in our opinion, what's some of the best ways to begin on the front end of that process of preparation. So here's where I want to start. Cool. My experience is um, that on the front end of God's process for our lives, one of the things it seems like he loves to do is poke around at areas of weakness or unhealth. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about mm -hmm. uh, when God starts poking around, because mm -hmm. one of the ways you know you are in his process is when he starts poking around and pointing out some areas of unhealth. Let's talk about mm -hmm. once he starts pointing them out, what does it look like and what must we do? Yeah. So I would start with number one, two things. You have time, but you don't have time to waste. Love it. Right. So there are some people who are 
eager to do this thing, whether it's a business, whether it's ministry, whatever it is that God's called you to do. The good news is you have time, but here's the other issue. You don't have time to waste. So because I don't have time to waste, I need to be transparent and vulnerable before the Lord and say, what areas do you want me to work on? So I'll bring them into my world just a little bit. It was my first weekend here at Pillar, first week or so. And you and Tim always go with the very first question that God asked Adam in the garden. Adam, where are you? So because I've been listening to the pod, I walk in, I don't even waste time. I said, man, I already know you want to know where I'm at. So let me just tell you where I'm at. And I just start laying <laughs> you did. everything out as far as where I'm at. Well, here was the good news and the bad news. Uh, good news is super open, super transparent. It's not bad news. Tough news. There were other blind spots that I didn't mm. see. Right. So in this process of me having a heart's desire to say, God, whatever you want, I want to give it to you. Cool. Well, let me show you some areas that you need to work on. (laughs) Now, this is what I pray for every single person that's listening. And I sincerely mean this, that the Lord would send you a Preston or a Tim or something like that. And here's the reason why, because in your preparation process, here's the truth. You need a coach. Mm. You need an accountability partner. You need a spiritual big brother. You need a spiritual father. And what you have to do with this spiritual big brother, spiritual father, like you are to me as far as the spiritual big brother aspect, is they need to be able to be respectfully and brutally honest with you at the same time. Uh, So, and I won't go into details, but you and I had a conversation about some pillars that I personally needed to work on. I'm not even gonna lie, for like two days, I was a little in my feelings. Like, not in a a bad way, but just like- Dang, like I really do need to work on these areas. Um, but I also think this is how you get God's attention. You get mm. God's attention by being willing to do whatever it takes. Ooh. Period. You get God's attention by doing whatever, being willing to do whatever it takes. And I think, unfortunately, you say this all the time, and I've heard Tim say it all the time. The oil ain't cheap, and there are no shortcuts None. to God's anointing, period. Um, so my encouragement is, is, again, remember, you have time, but you have no time to waste. So because I have no time to waste, Lord, would you just show me the areas that I need to work on? But would you send me, whether it's my Eli, whether it's my Paul, whoever it might Love be, it. send me a person who can pour into me? And then here's the key. You want the person who's going to pour into you. They will always do way more for you than you could ever do for them. Hmm. Period. Um, And it's hard. But I think the Lord, and I told you this before we started talking, he'll send you that person when you've shown to the Lord that if you send this person in my life, as long as they're led by the spirit, whatever they ask me to do, I will do that and then some. Yeah. It's a stewardship issue. 100%. I mean, I, I feel that way about Robert, you know, when people will ask every once in a while, you know, why do you think yep. y- you got to be the 21 year old that Robert hired and, and run with him from the beginning? Uh, and I, I don't know the answer. I'm not God, but part of what I think is a bit of the answer uh, is I'm obsessive about uh, learning from him. God put him in my life. And like you, if, if he texts me, if he calls me and he says, hey, I think you need to do this, 
I'm not just going to take it under advisement most of the time. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yep. And so I, I think that's a stewardship issue to say, Lord, you know, I think we think a lot when we talk about mentors and mentees, we think about mentors stewarding mentees well. But something you brought up off camera before we started rolling was it goes both ways. 100%. The mentee needs to be able to be trusted by the Lord to steward the mentor. It's, it's not just mentor to mentee. It's all stewardship. Uh, I, I, have, I have questions. Yeah. Uh, so going back to that initial. So you kind of knew uh, what was coming. You knew we were going to check in, check up. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Uh, and we always go through the six pillars. Uh, it's kind of the easiest way to evaluate life. The six major areas, spiritual, mm-hmm. physical, emotional, relational, professional, financial. Um, and you, you didn't waste any time. Mm-mm. Yeah. And we really, we didn't even know each other. Like, no, no, you know, mm-hmm. and you went there really fast. So one of my questions is, yeah. I want to know exactly why you went there that fast because I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm his new employer, Mm -hmm. you know, and some people will hide certain things Mm -hmm. because they think it will garner uh, good things from their employer. Right. You, as though there was zero concern of any repercussion whatsoever. And there was nothing sinful. There was nothing, you know, rebellious before the Lord, but it, uh, most people will be like, you showed all your cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, like on the first date, you showed all your cards. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, why were you so comfortable mm-hmm. in your own skin to say, here's where I am in this season of my life? Because you set the tone. So every single Paul and every single Eli that's listening to me, this is a, a freaking cheat code. For the Lord to send you more Timothys mm. and more Samuels. Let's hear it. Cheat code is this, is you have to set an environment for those who the Lord entrusts you with to be super transparent and super vulnerable. So while I never said anything, quote unquote, that was, I was in sin or anything like that, right. here's the reality. I was embarrassed by some of the things sure. that I shared with you, right? Um, but you made it so easy for me to say, Preston, Here's what I've dealt with. Here's what I'm dealing with. It's not a sin issue. It is a health issue. How do I navigate it? And you normalized it for me. So there's no, and there was no feeling of like, oh man, if I, this man gonna think I'm crazy. Not like the enemy kind of talked to me a little bit and made me feel that way. Sure. But because I've been spending so much time with the Lord, I knew it was going to be okay. Um, so for those of you who have the responsibility of stewarding someone up underneath you, you've got to set a tone to where they can come and talk to you about anything because that's the quickest way for that person to get healthy. Sure. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day and he said, bro, you sound really healthy. And I said, dude, I am the healthiest mm. I have been I love in it. probably the last three <laughs> years. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. And I went on to say, and, I, and here's what I will promise you, my friend. About 11 months from now, I'll probably be unrecognizable. Mm. And I'm not just talking about physically. I'm mm-hmm. talking about physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, emotionally, professionally, all the pillars that we talked about. 
um, because I know it pleases the Lord. Period. And my heart's desire, just as those who are listening to this pod, they have the same desire. They want to be pleasing to the Lord. But the quickest way um, to get to this place of of healthiness um, and being comfortable with being transparent and being vulnerable is understanding that if you keep it hidden, the enemy will do whatever he can to expose it. So it is so much better for you to expose it before he gets the chance to expose it. And I gave this example in the, in the message that I taught not too long ago. Um, and the Lord was using my son to teach me this lesson, this lesson that you brought up about hiding. So for those of you who might not heard the message, here it is. My son went to school. He goes to a Christian school. And for those of you who have kids in Christian schools, you know it can be, it can be a little strict. Um, but my son's nine, and he's going to do silly things at nine years old. So my son goes to class. It's a brand new school. He's trying to make friends. He's trying to get attention. And I found out that my son is majoring in sign language. So he, he throws up a little sign uh, that you would typically, if you're a non-believer, would only use when you got the spirit of road rage on you. So you got to imagine. <laughs> if you've seen what, Top Gun, <laughs> Goose says, we're keeping up foreign relations. <laughs> so, so he throws up this sign when the teachers got her uh, back turned while she's teaching math class. She sends us an email. I'm not even mad, Preston. I say, I understand he's going to do it. So I told my wife, when I pick him up from school, I'll just have a conversation with him. Well, something shifted, and here's what shifted. I said, hey, LB, how was school today? Oh, school was great, Daddy. Really? Did anything happen in school today? No, nothing, nothing happened in school today. Huh. Maybe I'll answer a question. Did anything happen in, in math today? <laughs> and now he gets quiet. But as he gets quiet, now I'm getting upset. Mm. And I'm not upset at the sign language. I'm upset because he hid it from so me. So great. So to make a long story short, I asked him a question. I said, LB, did you ever plan on telling me what you did in math class? And he said, no. I said, why not? He said, because I, did, I didn't want to get in trouble. So I do two things. First thing is, I say, son, I want you to stand straight up. We're in his room and I have him stand straight up. And I take my hands and I start putting all of my body weight on my son. And I'm over 200 pounds. My son may be 60 pounds. I say, I don't want you to bend your knees. And I'm pushing down for about 10 to 15 seconds. And he's struggling, mm. trying to stand up. And then I take my hands off. And I say, son, how, how difficult was it for you to stand up straight with all of that weight on you? He says, it was really hard, daddy. I said, son, you never want to have to stand up under the weight of the things that you're hiding. And I, bro, I know this is the Holy Spirit at this point because I'm not mm-hmm. smart enough to say That's something, the ghost. something like that, right? So, um, but then I tell him, here's what you need to understand. This should be the safest place in the world for you to tell me anything that so you great. may be dealing with or struggling with. The reality was, is if you would have told me, I would have probably took you out for ice cream. Not because of the gesture that you made, but because you were honest enough with me. Scripture teaches us, Psalms 37, um, uh, he delights uh, in the details of our lives, right? So as a result, I'm learning with my son and I'm learning now personally with the Lord. He wants to be involved in every detail of your life, no matter what it looks like. So if you, you struggle with an addiction, if you uh, struggle with your finances, if you struggle with your weight, or if you struggle with you know, your marriage, whatever it is, don't hide any of those details from him. So I thought it was incumbent upon myself. If I'm going to come into this house and I want to receive the most oil possible, I'm not going to hide anything. That's great. 
you know, when you talk about creating an atmosphere or an environment for that, somebody has to go first. Yep. And it, it's incumbent upon all of us to set that, whether it's in our families, whether it's in our office space, whether it's uh, in the church. Yep. Or just people we mentor all over. It doesn't matter. It's incumbent upon us to go first and create an environment yep. where we're not just transparent, we're vulnerable. 100%. And the difference between, to me, transparency is showing you something, but vulnerability is revealing something that hurts a little bit. Mm. You know, transparency is just letting you see in. Vulnerability is here, let me show you this and then let me help you see why it's this way. And it hurts and it's hard and it's a little embarrassing sometimes. But if we go back to the garden and the law of first mention that God, when he mentions something or shows us something, the first time he does so, he is declaring and communicating his intent, his original intent for that thing. So with man, the first time man meets God, he's completely naked. I mean, I just want you to think about this. Like, I don't want to go too far down this hole, but let me, I don't want to freak anybody out. The first time Adam saw Eve and had Earth's first erection, it was in the garden next to God. Mm. There was nothing hidden. This, in my opinion, is why God was so offended mm. and asked the question, why are you hiding? Mm-hmm. He was offended. Mm-hmm. He, he said, where are you? Preston's paraphrase, you've never done this before. You've never hidden anything from me. Yeah. And I don't like this <laughs> because I was trying to communicate to you. Yep. Listen, none of that is dirty. Mm. This is pre-fall. Mm. None of that is ugly to me, right. Adam. I want, no, here's what's ugly to me when there's a barrier between us. And one of the fastest ways to show that I am near to God is there's no barrier, no veil hiding things from him. And, and so the way I, I learned this years, years ago when I was a youth pastor, I was struggling with something and I was hiding it. And I remember one day I wasn't willing to tell anyone and the Lord goes, Preston, have you ever heard that phrase, um, uh, skeletons in the closet? I'm like, of course, Lord, skeletons in the closet. He goes a little bit sarcastically. I felt, you know, the only thing worse than skeletons in the closet is live bodies in the closet. He goes, Preston, you're not dealing with a skeleton. You have an active problem an active body in that closet that you were hiding yikes and it's wreaking havoc on your life this isn't something you did in the past this is something you're doing in the present it's a living thing and so your your perspective that well all these people with skeletons in their closet preston what's worse than that people doing it right now and until you expose this i'm gonna let you feel the weight of this just like lb feeling the weight right if you don't expose it, you're going to feel the weight of it. So Tim and I, we sit down, we talk, you know how we roll. 
you jump right into it. Mm. First pod that you filmed, you jumped right into it and just mm. start. I mean, you throw out like four different things and you're like, <laughs> here you go. My daughter absolutely loved you because Aww. you just went right in and, and you're like, this is me and this is where I'm at. And, and it shows a settled son yeah. rather than an unsettled orphan. Mm. When you can just say, hey, here's where I am. And it's okay no matter what you think about me or what I just told you. It's okay. Because mm-hmm. here's the deal. I think the reason a lot of people aren't more vulnerable is because they think too much about the way man sees it or hears it mm-hmm. rather than the way God is looking at it. Mm-hmm. So when I'm vulnerable, it always brings a smile to God's face. Because I'm saying, I don't want to hide. I don't want to hide. I don't want you to ask me, why are you hiding? Hmm. So, uh, obviously, we have to create an environment for that. But then, um, we have to ask for it. 100%. So, I got to be willing to do it. But then, when I sit down with you, it's, hey, if we're going to run together, I need you to know. It isn't about judgment. It isn't about any of that stuff. But part of my job is to help prepare you. And if we just act like everything is awesome all the time, that's the fastest way for someone to be unprepared. Right. But see, I think there's a lot of people that, that have been raised in a culture of no matter what's going on behind the scenes, always put on a good face out front. And Timmy takes a lot of flack because he's willing to be brutally vulnerable right because he he knows who he is he knows god is pleased when he's honest and he is not concerned with what people think or how they see it but he also runs with people who expect that out of him Mm -hmm. transparent vulnerability so when we talked and we started talking about some specific things um let's talk through once the lord starts getting specific Mm-hmm. and starts pointing at things that are, the, the, to me, the best place to start is the one spot I least want him to touch. Because mm-hmm. that's, going back to what you said, that's one of the best ways to send a message to him. Hey, I'm in business. I'm not messing around. Mm-hmm. I'm preparing for whatever you ask me to do. And so I'm going to start with the hardest thing. I'm going to start with the most embarrassing thing. Here it is. Mm-hmm. And what you find is when you start with the hardest thing, everything else just gets easier. 100%. <laughs> but if you try and start with the easiest thing, the hardest thing yep. is rarely ever going to get done. Yep. So uh, when somebody does kind of a six-pillar assessment and the Lord starts to reveal, this is where you're wobbly. Let's talk to him about why it's important to do a really honest self-assessment and others' assessment about where I am. One of the things I've told you that Robert taught me was warfare. Anytime somebody makes a decision to do what God created them to do, they're always going to experience, or they should never be surprised, I should say, by God's enemy opposing them as they do it. Mm-hmm. Warfare. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the unseen world. Yep. One of the things I try and, and help others do is say, if I were your enemy, what would be the way I would take you out? That's the kind of assessment everyone needs to do 
with themselves. If I were my enemy, how would I take me out? And let me just say this. If you can't answer that question right now, you are making the devil's job exponentially easier. You are doing his job for him. If you can't answer the question, if I were my enemy, how would I take me out? But once you have the answers, and I believe God's perspective and the way he would answer the question, how would your enemy easiest, most easily take you out? You can start getting somewhere when you're honest about where you are and the easiest way to take you out. So here's what I'd say. Stop lying to yourself and stop lying to the rest of us. We're family. We don't care. We're not holding it against you. Real family would never hold honesty and truth against you. I tell you who will hold lying against you, who will hold hiding against you, God's enemy and yours. Healthy self-assessment starts with, if I were my enemy, how would I take me out? This is something that you're, you've thrown yourself into. Yep. How have you seen it work or not work? Like, what, what are you learning as you do it? Yeah, so here's what I'm learning. Um, couple questions, and I think questions are the best way to do self-assessment. First question I would ask myself, and I have been asking myself, is am I strong enough and healthy enough in this area? And let me calibrate what I mean by strength. Um, for what you're doing today, you might be strong enough. Mm. But for what he's going to ask you to do two or three years from now, are you strong enough today for what that's going to look like two or three years from now? And there's some areas for me where I know the answer is no. So now as a result, it's time to bulk up. So that's the first question I would ask is, are you strong enough for what's to come? Because if you're not strong enough, it's going to kill you later. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I would say is get a master's degree in spiritual strategic planning. Mm. Okay. And here's what I mean by master's degree in spiritual strategic planning. Um, once you know the areas that you're weak in, come up with a game plan on how you can strengthen them. Mm. Love it. One of the things that I'm starting to do when I'm, I'm fresh in it is I'm starting to talk less and listen more. Mm. Here's what I mean by that. I'll give somewhat of a specific example. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of husbands struggle with is missing the very simple cues that our wives throw out to us. So she'll say something to you. It's really her trying to give you an instruction of what she wants you to do, but oftentimes it goes over your head. Now I'm starting to pay attention to the simple cues that my wife is throwing out to me and actually responding in a timely manner so that she knows that I heard her. Well, it's the same thing with the Lord. The Lord will throw out very simple cues for you to catch. But if you're not paying attention, you'll miss them. In addition to that, study the ways that you've seen other men fall so that you don't fall prey to the same mistake. Um, and I think lastly, bro, take this serious. And I think that's the most important part. This is going to be a little bit more specific to those who are in the kingdom doing kingdom work, okay? And I'll give you this example. Um, you tell me all the time that we're at war. It is the kingdom of God. 
versus spiritual wickedness and darkness. So one day I'm in the, my room and I'm just brushing my teeth, minding my business. And the Lord asked me a question. He says, Brent, have you ever seen anybody who's in the military that's on active duty, out of shape? <laughs> oh. And then as I process it, the next phase was, is you realize you can't even get into the military mm. without passing a physical fitness test. I was gonna, it's been like two weeks since this conversation. So I further process this. The reality is when I'm talking about out of shape, I'm not just talking about the physical. Right. I'm talking about going back to those all six, six. all six pillars. Now, I am going to take a moment and just kind of pick on one person in the Bible that falls up under the physical part, okay? So the person I'm going to pick on, there was two examples that the Lord gave me. He gave me Paul. He gave me Eli. Hmm. If you look at Paul, there's no if, no answer, buts about it. Bro, I think Paul looked like a freaking For sure. human specimen. Olympian. 100%. Train that body. You think about all the stuff that this dude went through. For sure. And then he writes the text on disciplining my body. Mm -hmm. So you know this dude is in incredible shape. Stewarded and, well. And you look at the work that he's doing. But then you go back to Eli. Eli is one of the most gifted people on planet Earth. But when it comes to his death, this man fell out of a chair, broke his neck because he didn't steward his body well. And I'm being nice about it. Right. So Lord gives me these two examples. So the question is, here's the reality. You cannot coast on your gift if you're going to really do what it is that God's asking you to do. Facts. He was gifted, but he didn't have anywhere near the level of fruit that Paul has in his life. Paul didn't just coast on his gift. Paul put in the work. Ooh. And Paul was willing to do whatever it was that God asked him to do. Here's some hard stuff that I'm even trying to process when he's, I think it's over in... Um, Acts, and I think it's Acts 23. I can't remember exactly where. But he says, I don't know what lies ahead of me, but the Holy Spirit has revealed to me jail and suffering. Yep. Paul disciplined himself in such a way that I know what's coming ahead, but I've prepared myself right. for it. And it's really hard. So to those of you who are listening, bro, don't co-stun your gift but discipline yourself in every area possible. And don't be afraid to assess your weaknesses. 100%. The only way to get strong is to address your weaknesses. 100%. And, and I think we, we, there's just way too much insecurity these days. So going back to your, your marriage picture, I think a lot of people don't want to do self-assessment on their marriage yeah. because they're afraid of what it's going to reveal. And here's what I would say. No marriage is perfect. So the longer you put off self-assessment of your marriage, the longer you are postponing a healthy marriage. And, and so I would, listen, I would rather know the truth. At this point in my life, I tried to live a lie for long enough in my late teens and, and early 20s. The weight of a lie is too much for me to carry. So I would rather carry the difficult truth than the worst of lies. I, I just don't want anything to do with it. Even if it hurts, even if Holly and I do self-assessment with a counselor and the counselor says, Preston, you are not pulling your weight. And 
this is the reason, this is the evidence, this is the evidence. That's going to hurt to hear. But if I want a healthy marriage, the only way to get strong in marriage is to address our weaknesses in marriage. Of course, you have to feel safe enough to do that. But you also have to have, to your point, using Paul, you have to have the will, the commitment Mm -hmm. to prepare, to do the hard things in preparation. And to me, it always starts with assessment of weakness and then addressing, putting a plan together, like you said, not just knowing. Because if I I know I have a weakness, but I don't do anything about it, Mm -hmm. then, okay, it's not a blind spot, but it's still a weakness the enemy can use against me. So when we talk about putting together a plan, what are healthy ways to, and I'm, I'm talking about non-specific ways, in other words, towards specific pillars, but what are some healthy ways to start, uh, put, to put together a plan to turn weaknesses or unhealthy areas into healthy areas, weaknesses into strengths? So I'm smiling from ear to ear because you gave me a cheat code a week and a half ago two weeks ago, something like that. So we're sitting here in the office and I'm having this moment of being vulnerable before you. And then you asked me one of the best questions that has ever been asked of me. And it was more of a, I want you to describe something. And you said, do me a favor. Describe to me the man of your dreams. And brought like out of the blue, I get real specific about this dude. Mm-hmm. And you even stopped me and said, have you wrote any of this down? Like you need to write this down. And then here's what you said to me. He says, watch this. The man of your dreams, if you become the man of your dreams, here's what you need to realize. That's the man of your wife's dreams. That's the man of your kid's dreams. And now it just changes mentally how I view working on these areas. Because now I'm not doing this for them. I'm doing this for me because this is who I actually right. want to be in the first place. Right. And it just so turns out, this is who they also want right. me to be. But it's also who he wants me to be. Mm-hmm. So I think going with that plan, I would start with, who's the person of your dreams? What does he look like? What does she look like? How much does he or she make? Where does he or she live? How is he or she viewed by God, number one, because that's most important. Uh, Do you want that person to have a level of influence that you currently don't have? What do you need to do to steward it to show that the Lord, he could trust you with that influence? Um, And in that process, keep a pure heart. Yeah. Because one of the things that I've said, uh, and I've seen this in other guys, is I've seen guys covet power, but not steward influence. Mm. So when we process this whole idea of being the man of my dreams, I'm recognizing that number one, I'm doing this because I know this is what the Lord wants me to do. But I also need to know that if I become this man of my dreams, will I steward it well? It's great. Can he, can he trust that man? It's great. So that's what I would say. I, th- I think as someone starts with, you know, what does the, the woman of my dreams look like? What does the man of my dreams look like? What does the woman of God's dreams look like uh, in and through me? What does the man of God's dreams look like in and through me? I think when somebody starts there, then the next step is, okay, and where am I out of sync with that? Mm. Because, you know, go back to like a Psalm 133, when everything's in alignment with things as God desires them to be, then I'm going to experience the most oil on my life. Mm-hmm. But when I'm out of sync with that, the oil of heaven is going to be hit, hit a mess. So 
what does the man of God's dreams look like, the man of my dreams? And then where am I out of sync? And then the next step is, and what are the steps? What is needed and what are the steps I must take to become that man? So for you, very specifically, I mean, uh, and it wasn't some kind of trap, but the more specific you got, the higher a bar you were raising. 100%. Now, a lot of that is not related to, not just because some little boy has a big dream, it's because of the call of God in your life. And what you were describing was the man who could steward God's call in your life. And that's a heavy weight. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was watching it in your eyes. I mean, you were, after a couple, I mean, you were very specific and you, as much or more than anybody I've ever asked that, and I've asked it hundreds and hundreds of times, you were as specific, if not more so than anybody I've ever asked. Mm. And I think it's helpful to be as specific as possible because then without vision, the people perish. Yep. So the more clear I am on, the more clear you are on what that picture looks like, the easier it will be to put a plan together to build out that blueprint of the man who could steward God's call in your life. And here's what I say. I tell people all the time, I don't care what's in the plan. Hmm. I don't care what pillars are wobbly. I don't care. Every human on the earth has wobbly pillars. Everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's not some competition and, and therefore, well, when I'm wobbly, hide it. No, no, no. No, this is war. And when you're wobbly, you're not just a threat to yourself. You're a threat to the people you fight next to. Mm -hmm. So when I'm wobbly, I'm actually a threat to my kids. And so I need to do my best to constantly be assessing, okay, where am I wobbly and how, how badly am I wobbling? All right. And then now what must I do to shore up this pillar? And it's just, it gets so easy. It just becomes routine. You know, it's like going to the doctor for a checkup. I went, I went to the dermatologist yesterday for a checkup. I've been so many times now. It's, it's old hat. It's just routine. I, it's, she freezes something on my face. It's no big deal. The first time I went, it was like, well, what, what, what are you doing? I've been through the routine enough to where now I can do it in my sleep. And I think that's part of the goal. And I imagine that's the way a man like Paul lived. He was a man of routine. Mm -hmm. healthy people always have healthy routines when we talk about wobbly pillars somebody can't just go well out of the six pillars this is the one pillar where i'm typically most wobbly but i'm aware of it no no no. that means i've always got to be inspecting it assessing it and then implementing things to strengthen that pillar you know it's it's a constant process it's not just a one-off like with the pillar, one of the pillars we talked about with you, it's, it's not just a, I think people get into trouble when they take one pillar, set a very specific goal. And then once they reach it, it's like they're done. Mm -mm. The goal of healthy pillars is not a look, right? It's, it's not a way it's not an aura. The goal of healthy pillars, health. Yep. The healthier you are, yep. the easier it will be to carry heavy weights. But in order to get healthy, we have to do really honest assessment. But I also think it's worth it. Sure it is. I remember, so my wife and I went to lunch. We turned into a, like a whole date day and we were at a little nice little fancy restaurant. 
But I remember telling my wife sitting there after a few weeks of just being consistent with the things that you and I have talked about and me having to do it. And I said, honey, I feel like I'm getting my swag back. Like literally, I feel like I'm getting my swag back. And I would encourage people to do the hard work, um, but also be unapologetic about who God's asking you to become. Mm. One, Love that. One of the mistakes I think that I know I've struggled with is maybe dumbing myself down a little bit to make others feel more comfortable. Mm. That's not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to walk in the godly confidence that he's given me. You I'm must. Not, I'm not going to be arrogant about it. I'm not going to be conceited about it but I'm gonna walk in the godly confidence. But where do I get the godly confidence from? When I know I've been doing the work. I'm gonna just veer off for a second. One of my favorite people on planet earth right now is Deion Sanders. (laughs) And one of the reasons why he's one of my favorite people, the man is the most swagged out person. A billion percent. hundred percent. But here's the reason why I heard Deion say this. He says, I got the game first before I did the talking. And unfortunately, there are too many people who are doing the talking it's great. without the game. So I'm in a season of, I'm going to build up the game. Mm. And I don't even need to talk. I'm going I'm to I'm let the game do the talking for me. <laughs> but my prayer is, is as people are doing the things that you're doing with me and with Isaac and with others, uh, that over time, we can build up an army of men and women who have built up the game to bring the kingdom of God and defeat the darkness. What would have happened if David, young man David, would have dumbed himself down Hmm. when everyone else was afraid to face Goliath? What would have happened if David would have dumbed himself down and said, well, you know, I don't want to step on Saul's toes because, you know, man, he's the king. And even though I'm kind of pretty sure God, I could take this giant down, but I don't want him to be threatened. I don't want there to ever be a day where people are singing, Saul killed his thousands and David killed his 10,000. So you know what? I'm just never going to kill 10,000. And what happens? Because a David is looking for the affirmation of a Saul, he spiritually neuters himself. Mm. And removes his ability to walk out the call of God in his life because he's made his life about a man, Hmm. not about his God. Jesus. And that's why I think we get comfortable when we get into the muck and mire of our lives and we just go, yeah, it is what it is. Now, having said that, God is with me. God's hand is on me. And he and I are dealing with this thing. And I'm extremely confident that even if if the enemy tried to come and sideswipe me, Mm -hmm. it would be okay. It will be all right because God is with me and I'm willing to do anything he asks me to do, no matter how excruciating it is. But I think when we start to work on the pillars and the pillars start to get strong, confidence is inevitable. Mm -hmm. Because when the pillars get strong, especially in a day where a lot of people's pillars are, a lot of pillars are wobbly. You start to get confidence when you see shots go in, you know. But Brent, they'll never work on the pillars if they don't get comfortable enough to go, I'm going to be okay when some of my pillars aren't in a good place. I'm going to give myself the room and the grace to go, hey, it's okay. You're not perfect. 
but we need to address this. Let's do something about this. Yep. And then when I do, what happens? I get confidence because I just minimized a weakness. And when I minimize a weakness, what do I feel? I feel even stronger. Take that thing out for a spin a little bit more often. Let's go. (laughs) But if it's war and not just some game, then this is imperative. This is not a suggestion. This is an imperative. Mm -hmm. We must be prepared. And rather than just sit around and talk about the dream all the time, you hear me say this all the time, because I, I hear it all the time from younger ones. They describe with specificity the dream, the call of God they feel is on their life. And then you ask them, okay, well, how are you preparing? And then they say, well, I'm not really. I'm just waiting. And you go, then you don't actually believe the size and scope of the call of God in your life. Because to the extent that you prepare, that's the extent to which you understand the call. And Jesus gave us a model. So back to our conversation here in your office. Uh, you said before Jesus started his ministry, you asked me a question, what did he do? And here's how I responded. He fasted for 40 days, which is true. But then he gave me a practical example and he said, mm-hmm, he cut weight. Now here's what I need people to kind of like let their brain calibrate. This is the savior of the world, God incarnate. And before he begins his ministry, he takes 40 days to prepare. If, and I can go even further than that. He doesn't even start until what, 30? Mm-hmm. So there's really. You have 30 before the 40. 30, there's, there's 30 <laughs> before the 40. 30 years of preparation. And he knew it because when his mama and daddy left him in the temple, he said, I was about my father's business. It was on the top of his mind mm-hmm. from day one. So that's why I go back to my original statement. You have time, but you don't have time to waste. So instead of spending, and we've all been guilty of it, so I'm not trying to make anybody feel horrible. But instead of spending two hours on social media and three hours on Netflix, let me just give you a real-time challenge that you gave me and Isaac the other day. Here was the challenge. I want you all in the next 12 months to read your Bible three (laughs) times. Three times I want you to read your Bible. Now, here's the deal. This may actually help somebody. I'm in this process now. If I I went to my little canonical Bible study, which is Bible through a year, I said, if I just do four of the days every day, Mm -hmm. I can actually get through it four times in a year. Mm -hmm. It takes me no more than an hour to get through four days. But yet you can spend two, three, four, five hours on social. social? Blows right by. Blows right by. Or, and I'm guilty of it, you can sit and watch all nine seasons of Suits. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I love suits. Don't get me wrong. I love suits. My boy, Lewis. <laughs> However, if you can do that, you've got That's an great. hour for those who are called in the ministry. Right. You've got an hour to sit before the Lord and read your Bible. So good. Period. So, and you've got 30 to 45 minutes to sit in prayer yeah. with the Lord. But is it a priority to you? Right. You're bringing up a great point out of the six pillars. My opinion is that the spiritual is the most important. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean at the expense of all the other pillars. In other words, you know, even if you have to be emotionally unhealthy, be spiritually healthy. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's easier for the other five to come into divine alignment when the first 
is in divine order. And so you're, you're saying if you have three hours to watch an entire season of the Mandalorian, if you take an hour and give it to the Lord, you still have two hours to watch Mando. <laughs> you still got time, <laughs> still bro. Got time. But you also made time to prepare. So I, I think you're on to something really, really clear. And that is this. It's not as hard as it seems. If I were your enemy, here's what I would try and do. Once I started to see divine momentum and you're starting to move in the direction of the call of God in your life with a, a speed you never have before. If I was your enemy, here's what I would try and do. I would try and get you as you're preparing to get so overwhelmed at how difficult the preparation was going to be in order to try and get you to quit preparing so that you'll never walk out the call. But it's not as hard as he makes it sound. It's not. It isn't. I mean, you just walked through how easy it is to read through scripture four times in a year. Mm -hmm. Just give me an hour a day. Mm -hmm. And some Saturdays, it, you, it, it may be like Netflix where four right. hours goes by. Right. Right. And you, you get 16 days and you're way ahead. You know, it's just not as hard. But the enemy creates these strongholds. He builds up these strongholds. This is going to be impossible. You're never going to be able to get sober. You're never going to be able to do this. Listen, God doesn't talk that way. Mm -hmm. God doesn't talk like that. It's mm, good. It's just not as hard. You just got to start. Oftentimes, the hardest step is the first one. And after that, they get a little bit easier step by step. And you won't regret it. That's for sure. You won't regret it real time. I woke up, went to the gym this morning, joined this little gym. Uh, shout out to Fit Society. Class at 5 a.m. I look at the wall. I see what we got to do. Dang, I should have stayed in bed. Because I just didn't want to do what was on the wall. But 30 minutes into it, I looked to my partner next to me and say, dude, when I walked in, I was like, I should have stayed in bed. But now that we're 30 minutes in, I'm glad I'm here. You won't regret. Just, just start. That's the hardest part is just starting. But you will not regret starting. Right. You will regret not doing it. For sure. And one of the things that's so fascinating to me, whether it's the physical pillar, the spiritual pillar, emotional pillar, once you get started, the only way to, to begin experiencing momentum is to begin. Ooh. And then momentum starts to kick in. You put one day, for somebody who's, whose physical pillar maybe is your, your wobbliest, uh, and you say, you know what? I feel like the Lord's really challenging me to work on my diet and work on uh, exercising four times a week. Okay, great. If you've never done it before, going to the gym can be very daunting or intimidating. Taking a three-mile run may be really overwhelming, but here's what, what we're trying to help you understand. Put a couple days together of giving it your all, and you will start to experience a momentum that makes it easier to do even harder things 30 days from now. But you'll never get to the 30th day if you don't start with the first one. That's not some cliche. It's a principle. You can't hit day 30 until you hit day one first. So just begin. Just start. Whatever pillar we're talking about, just do it. Get after it. And then I think once we start, I believe God starts to get involved. Mm -hmm. We initiate mm -hmm. and then he anoints. He, he gets involved and gives us that divine momentum. 
But if I'm just sitting, doing nothing, I'm giving him nothing to bless. And here's the wild part. When you start, you got to realize that you're not doing it alone. Mm. So for every quote unquote hard thing that I'm doing right now, I'm at Holy Spirit. Mm. Would you be with me? You're not doing it alone. Whether it's me trying to so do a, a darn push up, whether it's me navigating things at home with my kids, whether it's me navigating my finances. Hey, Holy Spirit, as I look at this every dollar app, would you be with me? <laughs> right? I'm inviting him great. into all of these details. You are not doing it alone. And one of the questions that I want you to ask yourself, because it's the question you asked me that calibrated me. Here was the question. What if the next three years is going to determine the next 30? Oh. And all you said is, what would you do? And I think, unfortunately, there aren't enough yous in the world asking those kind of questions to those who are coming up. What if the next three years are going to determine the next 30? What would you do? You have time, but you don't have time to waste. But here's the best part about that. He's with you. And if he's with you, take advantage of it. Yeah. It's great. I love it. I, I, I love normalizing things that are out of order, not so that we shine light on sin or, or areas of unhealth, but to go, listen, we live in a fallen world. I'm an imperfect being. If I don't normalize being unhealthy from time to time, then here's what I'm going to be prone to do. Hide it when I'm unhealthy. Mm. I'll just hide it. And that's where we started the conversation. If we don't normalize it and go, hey, it's normal to be a little sick every once in a while mm. in an area or two. It's okay. What's not okay is if you stay there. Once you do the assessment and you realize, here's where I am, great. Not a problem, no matter where it is, but you can't stay there. You've got to do something about it and be led by the Holy Spirit. To your point, the best way to do something is be led by the Holy Spirit to do it. Jesus was, he was led for that 40. That's how he prepared for the next three you know, so he was backwards yep. it is yep. his 30. You know what I said to you? Yep. What if the next three determine the next 30 His 30 determine the next three determine the last three. Mm -hmm. It was all about preparing for the call and walking it out. So I think, uh, I, I want you to pray yeah. uh, over, especially a specific person. Okay. Uh, Let's use the three years as a season of preparation. Anybody who's not there yet, wherever there is, is in a season of preparation. Okay? I want you to pray over them that the Holy Spirit would give them eyes to see the wobbly pillars that would create the most difficulty over the next 30 would you just pray because you you are walking this out right now mm -hmm. as well as anybody i know mm -hmm. and so i believe god's going to give you not just an anointing to pray but an anointing to impart mm. so would you pray over our brothers and sisters who are in that preparation the three years or the 30. yeah hey holy spirit i just want to say thank you thank you for being our advocate thank you for being our helper Thank you for being the one who dwells and lives among us. And I want to take a moment and I want to pray for the person who is in this season where they have not arrived there yet. One, Lord, would you surround people around them 
that would create an environment for them to be transparent and vulnerable to say whatever it is that they need to say and get out? Would you get them be in an environment to where if they just have to vomit emotionally, they can and it will be okay? But I also pray that those people around them would love them as they are and steward them well. Number two, would you remove the scales from their eyes and allow them to see the areas that they need to work on so that they can be who it is that they've called, you've called them to be? Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would raise up men and women who would be generals in your yes. army fighting against the kingdom of darkness. I pray that you will raise up women and men of God who would operate in the gifts that we see that are written in your word. So as they fire their bullets, as they preach the word, as they pray their prayers, as they sing praises unto you, that God, you would overwhelm us and overwhelm them with your presence and they would see fruit on this side of earth. When it gets difficult, when it gets hard, when they expose to you what you already know and to others, the things that they have been hiding, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will remind them that number one, it's going to be okay. But number two, you are doing this to build them up mm -hmm. so that they can be who it is you have destined them to be. I pray in this process as well, God, that you would guard their hearts that as they seek after you and as you begin to elevate them, that they would steward the anointing that you are going to place over their lives. There are some, God, who are going to have to work on the pillar of relationships and particularly their marriage. Father, I pray that no weapon formed against their mm -hmm. marriage will be able yes, to prosper. Lord. I come against every attack and scheme and plot of the enemy and say that that marriage will last until death do Jesus, they part. Lord. God, I come against the attacks of the enemy on their children if they have them, and I pray that no weapon formed against their children shall be able to prosper. I put an entire hedge mm -hmm. of protection around them. I pray that you would give them wisdom beyond their years, but also a spirit to be willing to submit, mm -hmm. submit to the authority and the leadership of those who have been placed over them. I also pray, God, that you would heal them from anything that's holding them back from their past so that they can move forward and being who it is that they've called, you've called them to be. Father, I thank you that you love us so much that you will not let us fall. Though we stumble, you'll never mm -hmm. let us fall. You will hold us by the hand. And I pray that our number one priority would be pleasing to you and desiring your presence in our lives because you said you will be with us till the ends of the earth. Father, whatever I failed in asking, I pray that you don't fail in granting. I thank you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sheesh. Sheesh. I felt as, as Brent was praying, there was somebody, at least one person, during his prayer when he was talking about having people around you in your life. I just felt like the Lord gave me a picture of somebody who was not even able to close their eyes and be present in prayer because they were frustrated saying to the Lord, I don't have anybody like that. And, da -da 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 -da, and you were just griping in your heart. And here's what I felt like the Holy Spirit said. Better to have one you can be honest with than a hundred friends you have to lie to. I don't think the problem is that you don't have one. I think the problem is you're looking for too many. And I just sense the Holy Spirit say, so I'm submitting it to you. For those of you who made it to the end, not just of the episode, but of the prayer, and you didn't cheat and just be done with it. 
I, I, with all my heart, I believe there's at least one of you where the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, hey, I've given you one. You don't even need two. Listen, all I had for years was Timmy. One. And now I have more. But God's given you one. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to see who your Jonathan is. Because it sounds to me like you already have them in your life. But you were hoping for more than one. Better to have one friend you can be excruciatingly honest with than a hundred friends you have to lie to. We love you so much, you savages, you literal savages. We love doing this. It's fun. It's fun to get to do it with you. Absolutely. It's fun to get to do it with you. Uh, I love it when we pull up seats around the table and the God of the universe pulls up a chair too. Pray that this has been helpful for you, that the Holy Spirit would use it in your life, not just in this moment, but for the rest of your life. It's why we do it. We love you. Can't wait to see you next week.